0: Must be doing something right because we're back again with another edition of the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. I am the somewhat capable host. He is John Lewis, a.k.a. Paulson from sportsmediawatch.com. The purveyor, the operator, the man that writes all the articles, the man behind all of the ratings and all of the insight that goes on on the website. John, good to be back with you as we're rapidly approaching the end of the month of August. Already, and that also means football is nearby. How are you?
1: I'm doing well. Uh, finally, listened to a non, you know, a, a podcast other than this one for the first time. So, <laughs> so you're branching
0: out a little bit.
1: I'm trying. You know, it was uh, one of those Dave Chappelle Midnight Miracle podcasts, one of the free ones, you know. Just and it. and well, I, you- mean, I thought it was great. Uh, you know, I mean, look, Dave Chappelle. Obviously, I'm a Dave Chappelle guy. Uh, I uh, remember watching those Chappelle show episodes when they were brand new, mm-hmm. you know, and those were revolutionary at the time. Right. Uh, and uh, I thought it was really interesting because he's doing something or and first of all, it's not a real podcast. My understanding is it's taped from some event that uh, he was doing with a right. couple of other guys and, uh, but I really loved the vibe of it. I loved the way they integrated music and the discussions they were having that were meaningful and interesting. You know, so I, I expect us to be you know, following in their footsteps. We're going we're gonna to bring in some really nice uh, incidental music throughout, just like <laughs> in, in the Midnight Miracle.
0: All right. We'll try it. We'll try our best on that one. And I should make mention to the audience here that however you found us, social media link through sportsmediawatch.com. And the site that John operates, reminder to subscribe. That always helps us. And uh, we, we are seeing those that are following or subscribing. Now, Apple Podcast and Spotify are now calling it following because you mentioned about paying for podcasts. We're not in the subscribe category in Apple Podcast or Spotify. We are free. We are free, free, free. So follow this podcast on those two. Whether you refer to it as subscribing on Google Podcast, on Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts, if you subscribe, it comes automatically to you. Generally, we're releasing the podcast right now early in the week on Tuesdays. And we try to stay relevant, not only on the events off of a weekend, etc. But we may come back with an additional episode, or it may be at a different time during the week. If you're subscribed, if you're following, you will get a notification automatically, the ding on your handheld device, your iPad, etc. So we're all about that. And, and I, again, uh, say to the audience that I had to do some convincing to get John to want to do this and get it off the ground. You're learning as we go. Uh, we're learning together. We're getting to know each other together. And I think it's gone well so far and there's good audience feedback on, uh, on some of this so far. Right.
1: Good, good. Yeah. And you know, I mean, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I, I enjoy it so far, you know, and, uh, Kind of the lazy days of summer, right? What else would I be doing right now? Yeah.
0: Okay, so you've written about a couple of things on the site that let's get to as topics. One of them is we're approaching the stretch run of the baseball season. October and the playoffs will be here before we know it. The audience can't see this, but I am currently doing this show while wearing a hat for my Tampa Bay Rays uh, with John right now, as they continue to have at the time that we're taping the best record in the American League. So excitement. Everywhere, not just in Tampa Bay, the Red Sox and Yankees playing recently, and they had a big uh, television rating recently on ESPN for one of their regular season games. We talked a lot on the previous episode of the Field of Dreams game uh, in the Iowa cornfield with the Yankees and the White Sox. Dodgers, obviously, chasing now the San Francisco Giants uh, out west. So baseball in October and interesting that Bob Costas name has now surfaced a guy that has been synonymous with the game with the postseason with October and the World Series for decades has now surfaced john so fill us in a little more and let's talk a little bit about the possibility that we may be seeing more of him he's been on MLB network but we may be seeing more of him in the October postseason.
1: Yeah, so uh, Andrew Marchand reported last week that Costas is in talks with TBS to uh, host their NLCS coverage in October. Ernie Johnson is their main studio host, but because the NBA season is scheduled to start in mid-October, he you know, that's his primary gig. He can't do that and the NLCS at the same time. So uh, Costas might step in. You know, it's an interesting thing because ultimately – I don't know. Uh, Costas has not done this before for TBS. He has not done, you know, any major role late in the playoffs since 2000 when he was on uh, NBC doing the ALCS. It'll be interesting to see how that goes. I don't know that Costas will just slide right in perfectly alongside, you know, Pedro Martinez and. I don't even remember who they had last year. I think Curtis Granderson and uh, they had made some kind of shakeup. Gary Sheffield wasn't back there last year, mm-hmm. but uh, it'll be, it'll be interesting. Uh, a lot of people don't like Bob Costas on Twitter, but you know, who cares, right? Twitter. Uh, and uh, ultimately uh, he's great at what he does. He is a lot like Frazier Crane, right? Lovably pompous, right? Wasn't that on Frazier's uh, when Frazier thought he would, you know, when there was an episode where like Frazier had a fake death report and the top of his obituary was
0: lovably pompous sums <laughs> up I don't remember that episode but I was such a fan of that show phenomenal show and it and it, it and it becomes right out of the talk radio mode which I've been involved in so you're right you hit on that but I mean those that are I mean Costas is iconic not just for baseball but uh covering uh the NFL covering the Olympics and play by play in and around all of it uh, he will bring serious weight because I was thinking this when you were saying this T- Turner has used some others to kind of fill in that are lesser known people and personalities. There will be, and baseball's an older demographic as you keep explaining to us, there will be a lot of people that will gravitate to Costas being there and being authoritarian in this, in this genre of baseball in the postseason. Well, you know,
1: I, I mean, I think the big thing for Turner is they had a great host in Casey Stern And uh, that whole story was so bizarre and so uh, unpleasant with all the stuff going on in his family. And it seems like if you believe Casey Stern's lawsuit and I don't see any reason why we shouldn't, you know uh, but you know, lawsuits are lawsuits. Maybe he wasn't saying everything that happened but again, I have no reason not to believe him. Uh, You certainly, it doesn't make Turner look good. um, You know, and he was very good. He was good at the baseball. Um, frankly, I mean, if we're being honest, he was better with that group than Ernie. Now, Ernie's obviously way better than Casey Stern generally. Like let's not get mm-hmm. crazy, but, uh, in terms of in that environment with the, with that cast around him, Casey Stern was better. Uh, and Casey Stern was really good on the tournament with Candace Parker, uh, Brendan Haywood and Seth Davis for the years that he was there. He and again, he was better in that role than even Ernie was. Ernie would come in with that same group later in the tournament. Again, I'm not trying to pretend Casey Stern is anywhere close to Ernie Johnson. Generally, Ernie's probably the best studio host working today, but you know, it's it's pairings, it's chemistry. And I thought Casey Stern worked really, really well with that uh, uh, studio team, but they decided that Casey's family issues were something that for whatever reason they weren't willing to accommodate him on. Again, Maybe they have, uh, you know, maybe their side of the story would be more flattering, obviously, than the one Casey told in that lawsuit. But I, I, I'm of the mind they should never have gotten rid of him. Uh, they had before Casey Stern, they had Oberman for a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was when Keith was trying to make his comeback into sports right around the time he actually uh, came back with ESPN as well. Uh, and then obviously they had Matt Weiner, I think, for a bit and Ernie. And ultimately, none of it's really worked. They, you know, a lot of people on the NHL side are so excited. Oh my goodness, Turner's going to have the NHL. That means we're going to have inside the NBA. But if you've looked inside the NBA, is a unicorn. It's a really special set of circumstances. Uh, they have not been able to replicate that on the baseball show. But the closest they ever came was again Casey Stern, uh, Pedro, Gary Sheffield, and I. I. I, I mean. Again, it, it only comes on like two weeks a year, so I'm not 100% right. sure who the fourth was. But I know that that was when the show was, you know, at its most entertaining. Uh, and uh, we'll see how Costas does with that group. I think it'll be an odd fit. Costas, you know, when he's been with colorful analysts before, like I'm thinking about Tom Tolbert, when he did the NBA Finals and NBC the last time, they didn't really have any chemistry. They didn't make any sense. I mean, Costas... I remember before game four, uh, Tolbert made some reference to Dwight Stones and a Mickey Mouse T-shirt, and uh, Costas just let the let the silence hang there for a bit. You know, I mean, he, he couldn't vibe with Tom Tolbert, and I, I don't know that he will vibe with Pedro or, you know.
0: Clearly, oh, he is a big-time host and has been. That's where he was his bread and butter, not just baseball play-by-play on the game of the week in NBC, but he, he built – his resume as a host for the NFL coverage and then eventually for the Olympic coverage. And yes, football play-by-play has been there, the NBA play-by-play, like you mentioned, but they even worked him in as the host. They started to have him host things like the Triple Crown or NASCAR, as you pointed out in your article. They were using him, the host abroad. And interestingly now, Mike Tirico has kind of slid in, including the golf host from all of the big events, Wimbledon, whatever NBC has. Tirico was slid in that role. I think the hosting thing, He'll get along well, and he'll bring weight to it with baseball and, and get more out of his analyst. That's just me, though, on that one.
1: I, I, I don't know. I, I'll have to see it. Uh, I, I just think it's going to be an interesting fit. I think Costas has always been best by himself. Like, who do we think about when we think about Costas's partners, right? You know, by the end on Football Night in America, he was by himself on site. You know, uh, on the NBA, he was best by himself. You know, I mean, so putting him in there with three other guys and Pedro being the star of the show,
0: eh, I don't know. It's going to be hard. And they have a they have a standard right now because Fox, give me your opinion here. Kevin Burkhart with uh, A-Rod, with Big Poppy, David Ortiz, with Frank Thomas. They they have really been the standard, especially for the World Series now for three or four years to have all those personalities and people identify with that. Right.
1: Yeah. So. They, they are great. I mean, that is, especially considering the very humble beginnings, you know, the days of Genie Zelasco and Kevin Kennedy, no disrespect to either of them, but that was not some kind of wonderfully great studio. Uh, and then they completely gave up on the studio for a while and just used N- uh, MLB Network. So for them to be able to put together a good show, and, and Burkhart is very good there. Uh, uh, Ortiz is such a great find. Uh, he's been excellent. Uh, and A-Rod is... I mean, I have no personal problem with A-Rod, but people find him insufferable. Well, if you find him insufferable over the course of a full game telecast on ESPN, he's easier to take in the studio on Fox, right? (laughs) Especially since he has Ortiz there to kind of, you know, take the air out of him a bit.
0: I don't know that John Lewis has a diplomat in his background, a diplomatic uh, post or stop or whatever, but that was a very diplomatic way to put that. I'm applauding you here on the latest edition of the podcast. You gave him a good backhanded compliment that in less doses, he's better. Well, no, but he is. I mean,
1: that's not, even, that's not even a backhanded compliment. It's just a reality. He is better in the studio. Mm-hmm. There's a reason why ESPN wanted him so badly, because he was so good on Fox. People forget when he first started on Fox, and that was back when they were doing that weird Pete Rose experiment. When he first started on Fox, people loved him, I think. And then when he went to Sunday Night Baseball and you had him for three straight hours, then that was the problem. Right. So in the studio, I don't think there's any problem with them. And then Frank Thomas is solid. Uh, You know, I've actually got a funny story about Frank Thomas the other day or maybe a few months ago. uh, I had I had this the the baseball studio on and, uh, you know, someone I know walked to the TV. They saw Frank Thomas. Said, Wait, is that the guy? And then they said, that's the guy from the eugenics commercials. Right.
0: (laughs) So, (laughs) And obviously, this is someone it's under the age of 30 and maybe even under the no. age of 25. You gotta be careful. no no. This is this is someone over the age of 60. Who said How do they not know that Frank Thomas was an all-star humongous baseball famous in the in the 90s, especially for being a baseball player? And only well, no, knowing not, from the eugenics commercials. <laughs> well, uh, the, the person in question is not a baseball um, I understand. Person. So, you know, But, and, hey but I, free plug, let's give it up. Eugenics with money well spent. If Frank is identified as that, good for them. Well,
1: yeah, maybe they should spend money on a new name that doesn't rhyme with eugenics.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, good point on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. As you hear John Lewis, I'm TJ Reeves. Let's keep with the theme here. Uh, some moving and shaking for ESPN that you wrote about where Max Kellerman is going to continue. Max Kellerman, who originally was a boxing guy and then uh, brought into the first take and has been there for a while with Stephen A. Smith is now going to come off of first take, if not altogether, at least mostly. So they're adjusting his role. And there's a couple of other moves, and you wrote about this with ESPN and some of their talent announcements. So, John, go ahead with some takes on this.
1: So uh, Front Office Sports, uh, Michael McCarthy and uh, Andrew Marchand of the New York Post wrote this last week, reported it, that uh, Kellerman is likely going to be off of first take, and uh, it was uh, Marchand who uh, wrote that uh, it is seeming like Kellerman is going to end up with his own two o'clock show on ESPN, kind of solving the problem of what to do with Jalen Jacobian, highly questionable, certainly highly questionable, doesn't make sense without Dan Levitard and his dad. So that would obviously help them out with that problem. Um, and uh, it's gonna be the case that Stephen A is basically just gonna debate himself you know, or, you know, some random other person (laughs) on on first take. And, uh, you know, he could do it like Colbert used to. Uh, Colbert used to, back on the Comedy Central show, he would debate himself, literally. I think that might be the next step for Stephen A.
0: Well, actually, you made reference, and I have not seen it, but Stephen A. was on Colbert at the time that we're taping this podcast. He had a quick foray into late night with him, so that's kind of interesting, too. Well, it was Kimmel, but they're all the... Kimmel, I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: They're all the same. So I don't, I don't blame you for that, but uh, he did host Kimmel last night. I didn't catch it. Uh, Awful announcing seems to think he was really good on it, but I I didn't, you know, I didn't catch it myself. You know, Stephen A, my views on Stephen A have evolved, right? Uh, I remember the first time I saw Stephen A on the air. This is even before ESPN. It was first, it was a best damn sports show period. Uh, And they were talking about the Kobe Bryant case. You know, that was when Kobe was on trial. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I remember, you know, they had this guest who was just the most outrageous person I'd ever seen in my life to that point. I was like, who is this? Right. And it was Stephen A. Smith. And within a year, he was on ESPN. And, you know, that first stint, Stephen A. was certainly a different kind of, you know, person, right? You've not seen this before on ESPN. Uh, and, uh, a lot of people forget he left, they didn't pick up his contract, hard as it is to believe, uh, and he went and did other things. And then he came back and look, you know, I've never been a Stephen A guy, but, uh, give credit where credit is due, right? He's a sports writer who became a TV celebrity more so than anybody before him who was able to put his finger on the pulse of the moment and capitalize on, you know, things that I certainly don't like embrace debate you know, conflict television, all the things that, you know, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful here, but all the things that Jerry Springer and uh, who was that other guy? Uh, There was another
0: guy. You can take your pick, all of them.
1: They did a CNN documentary about this guy a few years ago. He was like this huge conflict. I don't know.
0: Are you talking about Morton Downey, the late Morton Downey in the late 80s and 90s? Give me five bonus points, please, on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast.
1: Sure, I will. But, you know, all those things that Morton Downey and Jerry Springer were doing, you know, years and years ago. But, you know, all that conflict TV, it's. Something that now is in sports and news and Stephen A has capitalized on it. And uh, he's tremendously talented. I didn't think he was tremendously talented to begin with, right, Uh, you know, but uh, ultimately he's proven it over and over and over again in his ability to do literally anything that is asked of him and to do it exactly as his bosses would want it, which is, you know, and that's why he's making the big bucks and he's earned every single dollar of it. You can't say that about Skip Bayless. Skip Bayless getting $8 million a year is a waste (laughs) of money. It's a robbery. It's crime. (laughs) Stephen A., whether you like him or not, Stephen A. has earned every single one of that $12 million. And uh, it is what it is. I mean, the fact that he can step in on Jimmy Kimmel... And do what at least you know, again, I'm basing this solely on Jay Rigdon at Awful Announcing. I hope I pronounced his name right, mm-hmm. genuinely. I'm not trying to mispronounce anyone's name, uh, basing it solely on that one post he wrote because I've not seen it I've seen it myself. Uh, for him to be able to do a um, you know, a, a passable job on a late night talk show, by the way, a genre that is so homogenous. Mm-hmm. That if he wanted to, he could probably actually get one of these gigs full-time just because there's, there's got to be a Black host at some point, right? I mean, it says a lot about the talent and skill that he has. And again, you know, I'm not a Stephen A guy, but eventually you just have to give the guy's due.
0: I'm going to plug in right now with you and sing your song figuratively here that I was a big fan in, in my college days. Now I'm dating myself in the late eighties and early nineties of the Arsenio Hall show. I loved the Arsenio Hall show because he was hilarious. The guests were a list guests. You had music, you had movie stars, you had sports figures, you had all of it. And uh Yeah, so Stephen A, may that may be the name. Right now, though, he's got a bonanza, and they need him I- at least to stay relevant with the programming in the day parts. You- you've talked about that before on this podcast, that those day parts trying to squeeze whatever revenue, whatever ratings out of those day parts are important, and he gets audience, more so than Skip Bayless and Shannon Sharp on Fox, right?
1: Stephen A, the ratings aren't great for First Jake. They're just not. But- Ultimately, ESPN is probably doing better for that than they were for the you know old sports centers. They used to have some live sports centers in the morning, back with Hannah Storm and Josh Elliott. Josh Elliott, who's just vanished from the face of the earth. Yep. My goodness. Uh, and uh, certainly they're getting better numbers than they were for the old sports center reruns, I imagine, that I, that, uh, I think you and I remember very well. Those were the good old days. When you would turn on Sports Center and you would turn it on halfway through. You'd see all the highlights. Then you'd keep watching for the, for the half of it you missed because it would re-ear immediately after. Those are the days. Uh, and Stephen is probably getting better numbers for them than, than those. And uh, again, you know, his value is not shown really in ratings so much as it is in just his uh, ability to uh, do everything that his bosses want him to do and do it well, his versatility. And it's interesting. We're talking this much about Stephen A. The topic's about Max Kellerman. That's why Kellerman's
0: off the first take, right? Correct. And and we'll see if boxing continues to grow, if he gravitates that way. I know on the boxing coverage, they have Joe Tessitore, the analyst, the former fighters, Tim Bradley and Andre Ward. They use Mark Kriegel, who's a writer, a broadcaster, as kind of their essayist their historian that kind of thing will they work max more into that max does have an occasional boxing show that's his background max worked boxing for espn as an analyst boxing for hbo will they work him more there we'll find out what they're doing interesting jackie McMullen also announcing essentially her retirement she's been with espn on and off what john three decades Mm -hmm. her her background i give her a lot of credit she was a trailblazer as a beat writer uh, for the Boston Celtics uh, for many, many years, covering the Bird, Parrish, McHale, Dennis Johnson, Boston Celtics, uh, and then gravitated to ESPN. But say something, if you would, about Jackie McMullen.
1: Well, you know, obviously, uh, it's an interesting decision. You know, uh, 60 years old in this industry, you can keep going another 20 years, right? Uh, you know, uh, but it seems to be her choice. I mean, I, mean I, I wouldn't blame her for being burned out. You know, I, I imagine there comes a point where. You know, you're doing Around the Horn for the 900th time. And you're like, you know what? I've done 900 episodes of Around the Horn. I think that's enough. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can't really blame her. Uh, and I, I, I suspect there's been a lot of retirement since COVID uh, and the, the halting of sports. Doc Emmerich, Marv. I think there's a lot of people kind of looking around saying, you know, uh, I got to get some meaning out of my life, you know, before... You know, and 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 they may enjoy the things that they're doing, but want to try to see what else is out there or even just you know relax for a little bit too. Let me give back. you
0: a let me give you a classic example of what you're talking about. So John Gruden, who I was very familiar with with his success, his Super Bowl win for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I was his radio host, pregame, post-game, did his Monday radio show for five consecutive seasons. And John was a grinder, obviously a lifer in the football building, in the coaching profession and in the building. So the Buccaneers end up firing him and he ends up going to the broadcasting route and now realizes, holy cow, I have been missing out on dinner with the family. I've been missing out on being able to go to a movie with my wife if I want to, or go take my kids to a concert if I want to. I can go to the golf course and go play golf today if I want to. And John, for the longest time, said, I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to coaching. I'm now experiencing life outside of it. So back to your point that the pandemic and the shutdown of last year made everybody begin to reevaluate. There's life outside of doing games and broadcasting and all the other things that we were used to doing. I can understand where people get a taste of that, especially if you're older, you've done a bunch, you've made a bunch of money, and you just say, maybe now Gruden has come back to coach the Raiders, but I just thought it was fascinating for that example, John.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, people, we have this idea that work is the most important thing in the world. And uh, work certainly sustains you, uh, keeps you from getting bored and uh, keeps you with a roof over your head, too, which is nice. You know, but ultimately, uh, you know, we do have a somewhat overworked society, I would say. Uh, And, uh, you know, I mean, at a certain point, I mean, you only get one, right? You only get one life. And uh, eventually you say to yourself, well, I enjoy all this work, but uh, boy, I I think I might want to try to uh, get something else out of it, too.
0: Love it. Voice of John Lewis. And we're ready to do something fun here on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. People have begun to look for this and clamor for this. Here we go. Love it or leave it. First topic is up. Speaking of ESPN and are we over it? The Little League World Series. We're back around this year. They did not have it in the pandemic uh, year of 2020 with COVID-19. It's back. John Lewis, are you watching? Are you interested? Love it or leave it? The national television coverage of the little guys playing baseball in Williamsport.
1: I haven't seen a single minute of it, but I will tell you that the Saturday night game on ESPN had more viewers than the Sunday night baseball game, the Little League Classic, the very next (laughs) night. No. That ought
0: to horrify ESPN and Major League Baseball on uh, you know, that.
1: It's not that rare. It's really not that rare. I mean, the fact is these numbers, ESPN isn't doing this because, you know, hey, we you know, want to support the kids. You're doing it because it gets numbers for them. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just another property.
0: So, so are you love it or are you leave it or are you just lukewarm? You usually take a stance uh, here.
1: You know, I. Uh, sounds like you're leaving it
0: if you're not watching it, though.
1: I mean i'm i'm i i gotta go with the mike wilbon push on okay this push on this PTI. well
0: can i can i share with you this on on your opinion on do we love this or do we leave this when we are leading sports center the sports news of the day with a little league baseball result i realize you just televised it but that's right. more important than whatever happened in the nfl or major league okay then you go on the ESPN app, as I do frequently, two or three times, maybe a day. And the first thing that's there, I realize they're televising it. They're invested in it. Little League Baseball is above all the other sports news and the takes. Uh, th- they have just gone beyond uh, covering it. They've gone to the point of absurdity with how much they prioritize it, in my opinion. So do you wow. agree to an extent or you, you're fine with do whatever you want It's your app, at your sports center?
1: ESPN is very good at absurdity. They've been practicing it for a long time, right? I mean, this is the way they do it. If, if you're an ESPN property, you will get promoted beyond anything that makes sense, right? I mean, they even overpromote the NFL. It should be impossible to overpromote the NFL. The NFL is the NFL, but they still overpromote the NFL. They have a daily NBA show. Do you think the NBA's popularity is high enough to sustain a daily year-round talk show? Because I don't. And again, the NBA does really well. You know, I mean, ESPN overpromotes everything they have, um, you know, except for like IndyCar back in the day or the (laughs) NHL when they had that the first time. But, you know, uh, certainly uh, it is what it is. Uh, And we talked about little league before. I'm not a little league guy. Uh, You know, uh, to me, I think it's, you know, it's just not my kind of sport Uh, and uh, too often there's some kind of ridiculous controversy uh, or it's just some kind of weirdness, some bizarre aspect to it. It's,
0: You know, and the adults want to mess it up for the kids. So many times the adults come in and mess it up in every aspect for the kids. And it's there's a whole nother discussion, which we don't have to have here, about exploitation of 11 and 12 year olds, showing their emotions, showing them crying because they're they're under all this pressure. They're on national TV, people are watching them. Um, You know, the the beginnings of this was Wide World of Sports with Jim McKay, even, even John Lewis in black and white. Back wow. in the night, late 1960s, showing the finals of the Little League World Series for a couple of hours on one on one August Saturday every year. That's the that's the very beginning of, of how the Little League World Series was on TV. And for the longest time, that was the only game that was ever on TV was ABC Wide World of Sports, which showed the championship game, an American team against an international team. And that was it. And then they broadened it. They broadened it, obviously, uh, broadened it back out. And so that continues to go on as this week goes on, and then we'll wrap up. Um, and, and so the Little League World Series does march on. All right, another topic. Love it or leave it. Okay, I always have fun with this, and I may, I may have two love it or leave it's in the same thing. So I'm involved with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers broadcast, and they have an interesting feature on their website and on the coverage of stuff called Camp Cam, where they have a stationary camera And players just walk up to camp cam and there's a topic below the camp cam every day. Something different topic could be LeBron versus MJ. And they just give a quick opinion and walk past camp cam. So the topic the other day was pineapple on pizza, Hawaiian pizza, ham and pineapple pizza. I hit John Lewis off the cuff. Love it or leave it. Pineapple on a pizza on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast.
1: You know, i'm fine with it i have no problem with that uh you know i find the ham is usually the worst part on the on those pizzas. uh you know a pineapple on a pizza is perfectly fine
0: why not so one of the players had some great lines though about fruit on other things would you put strawberries on a hot dog i mean he was going down the list would you put oranges on a hamburger do not I put, put pineapple pine- on a hot dog I pineapple? Put pineapple- yeah i would pineapple. you would put pineapple on a hot dog all right pineapple. okay checking on that now i want to morph it speaking of of kind of differences eggs. So we eat some eggs in our house, not all the time. People that put ketchup or Tabasco or salsa on eggs, John Lewis, love it or leave it with the tomato based or at least the red sauce based additive on an on an egg, a scrambled egg, especially.
1: I wouldn't do that. Uh, I, I wouldn't do that. I don't use a lot of ketchup generally only on hot dogs or, you know, you uh, know, eh. No, 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 to uh, catch up on eggs for me. But you know, if you want to do that, that's perfectly fine.
0: Gonna... <laughs> you be, you be you. I, I have been at many a table where somebody starts pulling out the Tabasco or the salsa and I'm looking at them. Okay. And I, and I realize in the Hispanic culture um, salsa uh, hot, different hot sauces are with everything, including breakfast meals. It will be on everything on the table in different cultures. So you get used to it in that regard. But for me, maybe cheese on eggs cheese on eggs yes love it or leave it cheese yeah, why not i cheese. mean you know that i wouldn't recommend it uh you know maybe goat cheese uh <laughs> kind of
1: liner but you know uh you know uh, to me you know what, what would that be a uh, an omelet right
0: correct or an egg yeah. mcmuffin free plug for mcdonald's uh on uh, on love it or leave it okay uh another one here one more love it or leave it NBA schedule announcement out you wrote about this on sportsmediawatch.com uh share a little more about doubleheaders and also the Christmas day schedule did you love it or are you leaving it right now with the early NBA TV schedule
1: oh i liked it uh, you know i love it is a little strong but i think there were some very good decisions that were made i think bringing back the sunday doubleheaders on abc was a very smart decision I had been talking about that for a while, scheduling more Sunday afternoon games. My thought was to put those on ESPN, uh, you know, because I figured with ESPN, you could have more games, a greater diversity of teams. But uh, in actuality, you know, ABC doing four Sunday doubleheaders, including some of the teams you don't normally see there, like the Jazz, the Suns, obviously, uh, the the Hawks. Uh, You know, I think, uh, you know, it's not not a huge ratings play. They're not going to get big ratings for that. But, you know, it's part of rebuilding the NBA audience. You have to uh, expose a larger audience and the broadcast TV audience will generally be larger than that of cable. You have to expose them to these other teams and and get these other teams some exposure. And Sunday afternoons, that's an NBA time slot. And it was ridiculous of, of, of ESPN and ABC to leave that, you know, so empty the last few years.
0: And again, the doubleheader is getting underway, and they even are starting the primetime slot. I know you wrote about this on the site. The primetime games on Saturday night will start prior to Christmas with the Golden State Warriors and the Philadelphia 76ers, right? And that's the first time they've done that in in how long? 20 years that they've started before Christmas with a primetime on network.
1: Yeah. So uh, in fact, it's the first time any NBA game is aired on on broadcast TV before Christmas since 2001. That was the year Jordan came back to the wizards. NBC pretty much tore up its schedule that had already been out uh, and added, uh, they added a, a, a Jordan game. The first Saturday of the season it just so happened. The world series was going on Yankees D backs and it was a highly rated world series too. So they did not get the ratings that they probably would have wanted. And then they had another game about a month later, uh jordan versus iverson jordan versus Mac. those didn't really do that well in the ratings ultimately that's why you haven't seen anyone do it since uh and in fact other than 2001 i don't think nbc came on the year before christmas any other year except for their first year their first year uh their debut game uh, lakers at spurs so i think maybe the first weekend of the season
0: So again, Christmas kind of the line in which that all it all seems to kick off, at least on network TV. And again, Turner, you were you were mentioning Turner's moving to a different night as well. uh, Also, they're going to have more Tuesday
1: doubleheaders uh, this season scheduled than Thursday because they're finally getting out of the way of the NFL. Uh, Smart move, but long overdue. They should have done that years and years ago. Uh, And uh, it'll be very it'll be good for the NFL. Because even though the NFL destroys the NBA in those head-to-heads, the NBA is still getting, you know, a million viewers, maybe two million on a good night. And uh, those are viewers that could be watching the NFL instead. So that'll help the NFL. It'll definitely help the NBA, you would think anyway.
0: Good stuff on all of that. I think uh, we, we are learning more and more about John, whether it's guacamole, whether it's long drives in the summertime, whether it's the eggs, late night TV, I didn't mean to shortchange you. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about the late night TV? I must confess, because I'm older. I am not a late night TV guy anymore. I, I used to love Tonight Show, uh, David Letterman, uh, Jay Leno, was even into it a little bit with Conan O'Brien, but it it has been a long time since I've been a late-night TV guy. I realize for a lot of the younger ones, they live by staying up late and seeing all of this. So, John, anything else?
1: Uh, You know, I mean, look, late-night has declined so dramatically. Uh, I've been a big Colbert guy a long time. I, I don't even watch Colbert anymore. And I, I watched all of the Colbert Report. Watched him on the Bailey Show. Watched him on Strangers with Candy. Watched him on Harvey Birdman, Attorney at Law. I mean, I'm a Colbert guy. I've got his book back here. <laughs> I can't even watch Colbert anymore. Um, you know, the whole genre just collapsed uh, over these past four years. November 8, 2016, was a very bad night for late night TV, and I don't think it will ever recover from that uh and uh you know all of these all of these hosts are exactly the same you know a year ago uh after kobe died jimmy kimmel did a tribute to him so i tuned in i never watched mm-hmm. Kimmel before and i tuned in and uh i was so impressed i was like wow you know maybe i've been shortchanging jimmy kimmel so the very next night i tuned in for kimmel and i was like yeah i'm never watching this again because i mean <laughs> i don't know i'm not trying to be mean but it just i mean i i i I, it did nothing for me. I, I, I couldn't understand it. So Kimmel, I can't do Kimmel. Seth Myers. I, I, I can't do Seth Myers. Sure. And, you know, uh, who's the other one? Isn't there? An, oh, Fallon. Fallon's not even on my radar, you know. So uh, late night TV and uh, you get into the cable. I admire Trevor Noah, but that doesn't mean I'm watching Trevor Noah. Uh, I, I admire Trevor's story and his history and what he's been able to do. But, uh, yeah, I'm not watching Trevor. Uh, and uh, I, I did watch Larry Wilmore when he had his show. And uh, that, yeah, I understood why that one didn't last. Uh, Sam B, I was never big on Sam B. And then she mm-hmm. went to TPS And now I'm still not big on Sam B. I wasn't big on Sam B when she was I can
0: I can hear it in your voice. Bring back Arsenio Hall. I'm uh, all for it. Well, he tried it though, didn't he? He tried to come back again as he did actually not right. host again. But I mean, he ruled I would that was Can't Miss TV, especially I know we're younger, but that was Can't Miss TV to see who was on the Arsenio Hall show from entertainers, again, actors, athletes, whatever it is. And I think you're saying it without saying it, that it used to be fun. It used to be find out things about the guests that you didn't know, make them laugh hilarious off the cuff moments where you don't know what to expect. And then it became so political and mean spirit and driven and driven by that, no matter which side you were on. It's like, this is not, it, this is me saying this, it's not fun anymore, but I can't, I can't say that I've really watched in the last two decades, they could have been doing anything and it could have been great. And I wouldn't know John, because a lot of times head on the pillow for me, my friend. Well, I'll
1: tell you, you know, even the political shows were more fun. Like The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, by the end, Jon was running on fumes. Let's be real. Uh, but in, in the prime of The Daily Show with Jon Stewart, that was a vital show. Right. Vital is maybe overstating it, actually. But it was certainly very much, you know, it was a, it was very funny. It was very sharp. The satire was on point and it was not maudlin, you know? The late night shows today slip into this maudlin aspect so often. Like, I heard about this, I didn't see it, but like they said that Colbert was like almost in tears after the January 6th thing, which, I mean, I can kind of understand, but like, I I mean, look, in fairness, Jon Stewart is been moved to tears in the daily show before obviously the the 9-11 episode Mm -hmm. but like I don't know I mean I I just to me there's something that just doesn't there's something about that that doesn't sound correct to me you know and
0: um Especially when you're the one supposed to be making us laugh and we're supposed to be different and and get laughs from you. That's the job of those shows. Or it was at one point when you go back and watch it's get the laughs, get people to entertain them and and get them to laugh.
1: Well, it's not even so much that
0: because there are times when the laughter, you can't
1: prioritize that. Mm -hmm. But even in those moments, it was at least again, it wasn't like Maudlin like this. It was On those nights of crisis, that's when the sharpest, you know, satire, the sharpest bits, the most, you know, just that's when they were at their best. And the jokes, you wouldn't even laugh at them necessarily, even though they were funny, right? But they weren't, it wasn't like, you know, it wasn't an Olbermann monologue. It wasn't a special comment. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? There's a difference between really great political satire and just politics with jokes. And Oberman was doing politics with jokes on Countdown. If you ever watched Countdown, he had jokes in that show all the time. Rachel Maddow, back when she first started, she had politics, you know, jokes with her stuff. There's a big difference. And what we've seen is a shift from political satire, which requires a really, really high level of difficulty to do well. And, you know, Colbert on Comedy Central, was spectacular in my view if you didn't agree with his politics maybe you probably didn't like him as much but Colbert on Comedy Central was a brilliant satirist Colbert on CBS is just another guy telling the same jokes that everybody else is telling I'd like to say that Colbert on Comedy Central was Jordan with the Bulls and Colbert on CBS is Jordan with the Birmingham Barons not even the Wizards (laughs) all right you know I, I just I got you To me, there was a there was it was so much more interesting in that little 2000s era. Maybe Bush was the perfect foil because he wasn't ridiculous, you know, he wasn't absurd. So, pointing out the absurdities and the things he said was sharper. Obviously, if your target is inherently absurd, it's not, you know, your job is already done for you, right? Understood. But, uh, you know, I think late night is something I enjoyed so much uh, for so many years, and I I don't watch any of them anymore. I mean, Conan, Conan never changed. And Conan, to me, is the greatest late night host of his era. Well, yeah, Conan easily.
0: Of his era that includes like Leno, that includes Letterman, or you're saying the era right after that?
1: So I will confess that I've not seen enough Letterman to be able to say comfortably that Conan was better than Letterman and Conan. Let me whisper it.
0: He wasn't better than
1: Letterman. There we go. (laughs) I I don't know. I will tell you, I've not seen enough Letterman to make that assessment.
0: Conan has his gig because of Letterman because Letterman killed in that slot after Johnny Carson and. He I mean killed. Now you can say there wasn't much competition, but there was no point. He killed in that in that slot and uh made the transition from stand-up comedian into that. And I mean, he was he was a guest, while we digress just for one more second, that transcended on Johnny Carson, where Carson would let him sit there for 30 minutes after his act. And wow. that was unheard of. And and then it became kind of a trend. Can you get David Letterman type treatment on Carson's show? And then Letterman got his own show. And the rest and the rest for late night TV has been an arms race for sure. And we even bring it back to Bob Costas. I loved back 25 years ago, later with Bob Costas where he's just sitting and interviewing somebody and telling stories and making you laugh and finding out things about people. And that's all it was, uh, for Costas. And, and I read somewhere, I think he's bringing a version of that back yet again, I think with HBO, he's going to have a version of the interview thing that he did. And Bomani Jones is going to be a part of that as well. Um, you know, so with with
1: Conan, my argument is, I can't say he's better than Letterman. I've not seen Letterman, really. I'm comfortable in my knowledge that he's better than Leno. I'm comfortable in that knowledge, right? Uh, you know, uh, and I will say that Jon Stewart in his prime was great. And Colbert in his prime was really great. And I would still put Conan ahead of both of them. And I would certainly put Conan ahead of Jimmy Fallon. I put Conan ahead of everybody else today. and right. I will tell you this. When Conan did his final show two months ago, he was the best late night show host on TV, even though nobody was watching. The ratings are terrible. But when he did his final show two months ago on TBS, at that time, he was the best late night show host on TV.
0: John My- Lewis has spoken on uh, on that subject uh, and on many other subjects on this podcast. We remind you again, however you found us, social media link through John's site, sportsmediawatch.com. Uh, you can go there and you can see all of the previous podcasts. They are listed. They are archived. John promoting it as well. Uh, they're on the website. Subscribe. Subscribe away. Again, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, they want us to say follow us. Follow us. It is free to get the podcast. You do not have to subscribe on Apple Podcast or Spotify. Follow us or subscribe as well on Google Podcasts, Stitcher, wherever you get podcasts. This will come automatically to you. Uh, as, As we get the breakdown and now we've got football coming college football this week, the NFL will be here soon enough much more to dissect here on the sports media watch podcast. And obviously we want them to read the site and everything that you're writing and updating on the site as well john one more time.
1: Yep. So uh, yeah, things are getting. Uh, enjoy the break. You know, uh, yeah, football's coming, but there's like five games on Saturday, so you got a couple more weeks of slow, not a lot going on. Uh, you do have the Paralympics, which just started on NBC and NBCSN. You have more Little League, U.S.
0: Open. But for the most part, you know,
1: this is a rest and relaxation
0: period. And the Golf Rider Cup, by the way, delayed by a year, is coming back around too later in September in and around the football as well. So plenty to cover there. John, always a treat to be with you. Thank you again for hanging on the SportsMediaWatch.com podcast. Hey, no problem. There is John Lewis. I am merely T.J. Reeves. Again, we look forward to being with you as the summer unfolds into the fall. Subscribe away and find us on the sportsmediawatch.com podcast. Bye.